With a sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells preached on March 11, 2012, based on Psalm 25, verses 1 through 5, the first of a three-part series on heartfelt prayer. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we begin a three-week sermon series based on, on Psalm 25, a psalm of David, in which he cries out to the Lord from the depths of his heart. And really this is a heartfelt prayer of, of every Christian as we, in the next weeks here, take a look at the different parts of Psalm 25. Today, direct your attention to the first five verses. If you want to follow along, they're printed on the inside of the bulletin. Psalm 25 of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Texting, fast food, drive through banking. We don't like waiting, do we? And to be honest, a lot of waiting is simply a waste of time. Waiting on hold, waiting for commercials, waiting in line. No doubt there is often something else more beneficial we could be doing. But there's a, a different kind of waiting as well, isn't there? A waiting of eager expectation and anticipation. Like when children wait to open up the Christmas present or wait for grandpa or grandma to come or when we wait for the snow to finally melt and that spring thaw to come and that freshness, that newness of life in the air, you know what I mean? That waiting that's filled with hope, the hope for the good that's coming. That's the kind of hope that filled David as he prays to the Lord in the words of Psalm 25. And that, dear friends, dear Christians, is the hope that fills our hearts as well. As we join David in calling out to the Lord, my hope waits for you, O oh my God. My hope waits for you. That's the theme this morning. My hope waits for you, O oh my God. So I lift up my soul in trust. That's part one. Teach me your truth. O Savior, part two. David begins the psalm with these words. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. Now just think about those opening words there. And what a marvelous picture of prayer they are. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. We, we lift up what's fallen down, what's been low to the ground. And 
how wretched and lowly we are by nature, aren't we, dear friends? My soul is corrupted by my sin, devastated by my guilt, knocked down day after day by my failure to do what God commands. And if that's the condition of my soul, how much worse must my mind and body and and, and heart be? My conscience accuses me. God's law convicts me. I stand condemned by my own works. But the Lord, the gracious God, faithfully makes his, or freely makes his promises and faithfully keeps them. And what great promises he has made as the Savior God, as the Lord. He lifts up my soul. He lifts up your soul. Just look at Christ crucified, dear friends. How God's own Son came and lowered himself into our dust and ashes. He lowered himself even to death on the cross to raise us up out of the depths that we were born into. Look at Christ crucified. He purchased you with his own blood so that you belong to him. And that is why we are his people and he is our God. Because he has purchased us, you trust him as your God. And through faith in him, you are his people. The Lord lifts up our soul so that we are his very own. And that's why we call out. For we know that the Lord is faithful. For he is the gracious God who has purchased us to be his own. He has kept his promises. He is faithful. He is the Lord, your God. And so now that he has lifted up our souls through Jesus Christ, we in turn lift up our souls to him in prayer. Like smoke going up from a sacrifice, our prayers rise to the Lord. They ascend not because of any innate worth in us. We're like the ashes on that altar. Our prayers ascend because of Jesus. Like that fire that sends up the smoke. So faith, your faith that trusts in Jesus, sends up your prayers, lifts up your soul to the Lord, your God. For he has purchased you to be his own. That is why we call out to him, I lift up my soul to you, my God. And that is why we can say those words with such confidence, with such trust. We lift up our souls to him in trust. That trust that waits for the Lord. That trust that is built on his promises that hopes in the Lord. And yet sometimes, when we lift up our souls to the Lord in prayer, doesn't it seem as if he's slow in keeping his promises? We pray, and yet we wait and wait, and and things don't seem to change all that quickly. Might we prove that he's not as reliable as we thought? Might our hope in him be put to shame? Might our trust in him prove to be misplaced? Will we feel ashamed for having counted on the Lord? There were times in his life that David 
struggled with those same kinds of feelings. That's why he talks about here that those who hope in the Lord will never be put to shame. Because he knows how easily that is for us in our weakness to start wondering whether the Lord will really hear us as we lift up our soul to him in prayer. Yes, David. David struggled with those feelings at times, and I think sometimes we miss that. <coughs> we, we don't think of that because the first we think of when we hear about David is usually David and Goliath. <coughs> and there we see how David trusted in the Lord as he faced impossible odds, and by the end of the day, the people were celebrating his victory over that giant. Not much waiting there. But there's much more to David's life, isn't there? Remember how the Lord promised David through Samuel that he would be the next king? And yet, how did David spend the prime of his life? He spent it running like a criminal, hiding in caves, never staying too long in one place, separated from his family and his dearest friend, Jonathan, because King Saul was trying to hunt him down. You know, in the end, David ended up hiding among the Philistines, the people from which Goliath had come. Isn't that a bit of an irony? And don't you think as those months dragged on, David wondered, how long, O oh Lord? How long must I wait? And yet, even as David may at times wondered whether he would ever be king or would, whether he would even survive, yet he knew. He knew that his trust in the Lord would not be put to shame, that his hope in the Lord would not prove to be a false hope, because the Lord is faithful to his promises, that all whose hope is in the Lord, all whose hope is built on his promises, will never be put to shame, as he says here. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. For you see, David thinks not only about himself, but about all of God's people. And even as he struggles through those times, he knows that just as he struggles, so do his fellow believers, but that those who hope in the Lord will never be put to shame. And that includes you, dear Christian. That includes you. When you lift up your soul to the Lord in trust, know that your hope will not be put to shame. Your trust is built on Jesus. Yes, because of Jesus, you lift up your soul to the Lord and sense Jesus and his promises are the foundation of your trust. Your hope stands firm like mighty pillars. Build your hope on Jesus. Build your hope on God's wisdom, Christ crucified. Don't build your hope on the empty promises of this world or of your own imagination. God has not promised you or me an easy life or a successful life or even a pleasant life. But he has promised to guard your soul. As you build your hope and trust on Jesus, he has promised to guard your soul and finally to bring you from this world of sorrow, this valley of tears, to your heavenly home. So stand firm on Jesus and his promises. He is the foundation of our hope and trust. 
Such hope will never be put to shame as long as you are holding on to Jesus. And with your trust built on him, call out with David, My hope waits for you, O my God. No matter how long it might take, my hope waits for you. For you have purchased me to be your very own. My hope waits for you, O my God. And such hope, such hope desires Jesus, doesn't it? For you see, such hope depends on Jesus. It it depends on Jesus trusting him for all that is good, trusting him that through his cross we have been washed clean and that he will present us to his heavenly Father on that day, holy and blameless, washed in his blood. Hope depends on Jesus and therefore hope desires Jesus, longing for him, lifting up our souls to him, hungering and thirsting for him. That's the kind of hope that waits for the Lord our God. That's the kind of hope that lifts up our soul to him and cries out, I lift up my soul to you. I lift up my soul in trust that is built on your promises. And that kind of hope also, dear friends, longs to learn all that our Lord wants to teach us. Which brings us to the second part here. For hope that is, is dependent on Jesus, hope that depends on him and, and desires him, is also hope that delights in God's truth and desires to learn God's word. And that's why as David continues in his prayer he, here, he calls out, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. You are my You are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Or to summarize it in the words of the second part, teach me your truth, O Savior. And let's take a look at those first three phrases in this part here and expand on them. First of all, David's words, show me your ways, O Lord. Yes, let me see your way of salvation as you reveal it on the pages of the scriptures. Let me see your plan, your saving plan, your your way of salvation as you unfolded it through the ages, revealing it, unraveling that mystery that was finally fulfilled in your son and his cross. Let me see your saving way, your wondrous way of salvation. Let me see it as I study your word. And then the second phrase, David says, teach me your paths. Yes, Lord, not only let me see your plan of salvation, but engrave it on my inmost being, engrave it on my heart and mind. Teach my soul your path of salvation. Teach me so that false doctrine does not lead me off that path. Teach me so that I am not led astray by Satan's lies and deceptions. Teach me so that I can meditate on your paths and your way of salvation day and night and ponder it as I wait for you, O Lord. Teach me your paths, which your word alone makes known. 
And then the third phrase we want to look at here, guide me in your truth. Yes, Lord, guide me so that I walk the road of my life according to your will, which I can only know from your word of truth. Keep my footsteps from sinning. Make me a blessing to my companions along the way here so that all that I do glorifies you. Keep directing me through that narrow gate. Guide me in your truth. Your word is truth. Yes, dear friends, as we lift up our souls to the Lord, as we wait for the Lord with that hope, we long to learn our Lord's words here. Prayer that comes from deep within us is prayer that cherishes God's word of truth. For you see, just as faith is much more than the outward words that claim to follow Jesus, so also prayer. Prayer comes from deep within. It sprouts from God's word rooted in our hearts. Real prayer cannot come from a heart that does not have God's word. For it is God's word that is the root from which prayer springs. And that is why David calls out to the Lord here, Teach me your truth, O Savior. If our prayers are shallow, isn't that because our desire to grow in God's word has become shallow? The solution is not to try a different praying technique or to try to make ourselves more sincere. No, the solution is to dig deeper and deeper into God's word, planting it in our hearts day after day, calling out with David, teach me your truth, O Savior. And he answers that prayer as you study his word. How our hope grows weak and impatient if we fail to feed it with God's word, Look at how your bodies need food in order to remain strong and how easily they grow weak and soon die without food. How much more the hope that is built on Jesus. Our hope feeds on God's promises. Feed your hope with God's word of truth. Don't feed it with the junk food of worldly wisdom or the poison of those lies that masquerade as spiritual truth. Feed your hope with Christ crucified. My hope waits for you, O Lord, so teach me your truth. Teach me your truth, O Savior, so that I, so that my hope waits patiently and remains strong in you. Yes, that hope that waits for the Lord is hope that that not only desires Jesus, not only depends on Jesus, it is hope that delights in God's word of truth. Just like a soldier delights in that letter from his beloved wife as he eagerly waits to see her again. Faith or hope is devoted to God's word. Like that soldier who is devoted to the memory of his comrade who gave his life to save his. Yes, hope. Hope is devoted to God's word. 
and hope delights in God's truth. And so as our hope waits for the Lord, we pray, teach me your truth, O Savior. Yes, there is much in Psalm 25 for us Christians to take to heart, dear friends. For these words not only come from deep within David's heart, these are the words the Holy Spirit himself moved David to write so that they are recorded in scriptures for Christians of all ages, for you and me to take to heart and ponder and pray. And grave these words on your heart so that you too pray with David and call out to the Lord, my hope waits for you, O my God. So I lift up my soul to you in a trust. Teach me your truth, O Savior. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.